folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. This week, we are going to take a sneak peek at the upcoming Ubuntu Summit that is coming up in a couple of weeks in uh, Riga in Latvia. Plus, uh, we'll do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the past week. So this week, there were 91 unique CVEs that were addressed by the team. And we had an update for VIPs first for uh, Ubuntu releases 16.04, 1804, and 22.04. In this case, there were five CVEs. Uh, VIPs is an image processing library and command line tool. Uh, not a lot of users of this in the Ubuntu archive, but uh, there are, I guess, a bunch of third-party things that may be using it. Uh, in this case, being a library written in C, we see the usual kind of issues, particularly uh, a couple of null pointer dereferences and a divide by zero. Both of those could be uh, triggered via crafted image files and therefore leading to a crash and denial of service. And then there was a couple uh, info leaks that I thought were interesting because it failed to clear memory in a couple of different cases. And then that uh, data would end up actually in the generated image. So it's a possible that you could leak memory into that image and have it extracted somewhere. So yeah, I thought that was an interesting one as well. OpenSSL was updated after that for a couple CVEs for Ubuntu releases 1604 and 1804. Uh, both of those are now in expanded security maintenance and available through Ubuntu Pro or available for our Ubuntu Pro users. In this case, uh, one of the issues was uh, an CPU-based denial of service through an excessively large uh, Diffie-Hellman modulus uh, or P parameter. Basically, OpenSSL uh, tries by default to check whether the modulus is larger than, say, 10,000 bits because it knows that you know, that will then trigger this sort of pathological behavior uh, and that will raise an error in that case. But as well as checking that, it also checks various other parameters, uh, things like uh, the supplied key and other parameters that could be used. And along the way, it still then reuses that p-value in some of those calculations. And so even though it did check it and find it was invalid, it then goes and checks some other stuff and then uses it and then triggers this excessive uh, CPU use usage and therefore denial of service. Uh, so this was fixed basically just by putting that check a little earlier and erroring out in that case. Uh, it was then actually found that uh, the Q parameter could also be abused in the same way. And since the size of Q has to be less uh, than P, it was fixed just by checking that and therefore erroring out in that. That's the case as well. And uh, yeah, it could check both at the same time. Now, both of those uh, fixes plus a couple others were rolled into more recent releases for OpenSSL. So four CVEs fixed for uh, 2204, 2304, and 2310, the Mantic Minotaur that has just been released. Uh, as I say, both those CPU-based denial of service issues plus uh, possible truncation or overrun uh, during uh, the initialization of various ciphers if the key or initialization vector length differed compared to when it, the cipher was initially established. Essentially, some ciphers allow a variable length IV, so things like AES in GCM mode. And in that case, it's possible then that an application will end up using a non-standard IV length during the use of the cipher compared to when they initialized that within the OpenSSL library. Now, the API for this was only introduced recently, according to Upstream, and therefore only affects OpenSSL 3, but that you know, is a lot of Ubuntu releases. Uh, so in general, they think not a lot of applications will be affected, particularly because you have to use the API in a certain way, or I guess maybe misuse it in a certain way to trigger this. 
The other issue was specific to the use of AES with SIV mode. Um, this is a mode of AES that provides deterministic nonceless key wrapping. So that's used uh, for transporting cryptographic keys as well as nonce-based authenticated encryption. And that's uh, authenticated encryption that's resistance to nonce reuse and kind of errors that can happen through that or I guess through you know, a weakening of uh, the crypto system if you do reuse nonces. So uh, as I said, AIS SIV allows the user to perform authentication of the data and to do this, uh, the relevant OpenSSL APIs are called with an input buffer length of zero and a null pointer for the output buffer, basically signaling that you just wanna uh, do authentication. But if the associated data to be authenticated was empty, in that case, OpenSSL would return success without doing any actual authentication of it, essentially bypassing that authentication. So in practice, it's unlikely to be an issue because uh, most applications aren't uh, doing kind of non-empty, or most applications are doing non-empty uh, data authentication, so not likely to be authenticating empty data, but uh, yeah, that has been fixed as well if I guess you were affected by that use case. Glib was updated for five CVEs for uh, a bunch of our releases that are now in Ubuntu Pro, now covered by Ubuntu Pro. Uh, I talked about that back in episode 199. Uh, similarly, MUT was updated for a couple CVEs in uh, Ubuntu 23.10, the most recent release. And again, I talked about that back in episode 210. .NET was updated for a couple CVEs in Ubuntu 23.10. So this is .NET 6 and .NET 7. Uh, one of these is uh, the recent HTTP2 rapid reset attack that was announced. Essentially, that's a denial of service against HTTP2 server implementations by clients sending a large number of requests and then immediately canceling them and then doing that many times over, essentially getting the server to expend a huge amount of resources, uh, kind of allocating uh, memory and other things for those uh, connections or those, for those requests and therefore you know, causing that denial of service there. Uh, that was actually being seen exploited in the wild recently, according to Google and others, achieving the largest denial of service attack bandwidths that they've yet seen. So, you know, an interesting attack uh, with real world implications. To fix this, it does require HTTP2 implementations to essentially do heuristics over time to track the allocated streams against uh, the connections and therefore block uh, the connection when too many are made or, or that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that has been fixed within .NET for uh, the Kestrel web server implementation. The other issue fixed there was uh, in the handling of X509 certificates, and that was also fixed uh, back in .NET for our 2204 and 2304 releases. PHP was updated for a couple of our old releases uh, in Ubuntu Pro for a vulnerability I talked about back in episode 202. Uh, libvpx was updated for uh, 18.04. Again, that's under Ubuntu Pro now. Uh, that is uh, the WebM VP8 and VP9 video encoder and decoding library. Uh, had a heap buffer overflow uh, that could therefore lead to a denial of service or possible remote code execution through crafted uh, video, as well as an out-of-bounds read likely leading to a denial of service. Uh, libxpm was updated for, again, a bunch of our releases that are now uh, in expanded security maintenance. Uh, four CVEs here, so uh, infinite recursion leading to stack exhaustion, so basically uh, a recursive algorithm there uh, that would then lead to a crash and denial of service. Uh, what else? An integer overflow leading to a heat buffer overflow and therefore remote code execution or denial of service. And as well, a couple different out-of-bounds reads leading to a crash and denial of service. Now, Saying all this, I realize that uh, each week I talk about these kind of vulnerabilities and uh, I guess these kind of uh, effects of vulnerabilities and it's maybe not necessarily uh, clear as to what, you know, when I say an out-of-bounds read or an out-of-bounds write, what I'm talking about. 
But you can imagine within memory, you've got a, uh, a block of memory. And uh, if someone tries to access that within you know, the allocated bounds of the memory, then that's fine. And if you try to access somewhere that's not allocated memory, uh, the uh, runtime uh, signals an error. So it's called a segmentation violation. And that kills your application. So that's why we get a crash. But if where that tries to get accessed is still valid memory, but it's not part of the memory that you thought you were accessing, you can then go and corrupt some other part of the program's memory. And then you can maybe do things like inject extra um, code to be executed there. And then if you can make uh, the program essentially start executing from that area, then you can get code execution. So when I say things like an out of bounds read, that means you're reading from memory that wasn't you know um, the intended location. So you can end up reading either memory that you're not meant to. And that's why that might be an information leak because then it reads say some other part of the memory and leaks say a, a key or some other thing from the memory as a result or maybe you get a crash because it's trying to access memory that hasn't been allocated and as I say when you get an out of bounds right that's when you then go and essentially end up corrupting memory and that may be you know memory that you can access and therefore that's you know injecting code or maybe it's memory you can't and again you get a crash hence the denial of service for both of those so yeah um, a couple things there to think about Sophia SIP was updated uh, this is a SIP user agent library uh, it had a couple different integer overflows resulting in heat buffer overflows uh, due to different missing length checks in the stun message parser. And uh, there was an out of bounds read that was fixed there as well. Uh, similarly, Ring, also known as Jammy, was updated. Uh, this is a voice and video and chat uh, platform. It contains an embedded copy of the PJ SIP library and uh, a bit like Sophia SIP that implements things like the SIP protocol, STUN protocol, uh, RTP, uh, ICE and other uh, protocols for uh, remote messaging and things like that. It also had various missing length checks allowing a possible integer underflow in this case to, uh, to therefore trigger a crash or memory corruption and therefore remote code execution. Similarly, uh, a buffer overflow when using the internal DNS resolver, uh, if that was configured that way, has also been fixed there. Uh, what else? So we've got an update for FFmpeg for uh, upwards releases 1804, 2004 and 2204. Uh, various memory leaks here for FFmpeg leading to a denial of service, uh, some integer overflows, again leading to buffer overflows. So uh, to explain that one a bit more, you may have uh, like the length of a uh, data field that is being tracked somewhere and that's tracked in a thing called an integer which is just like a number. Uh, but unlike numbers in the real world, numbers on computers have a fixed size and so in general on a 32-bit platform an integer can hold about 4 billion as its total value. Um, that means then that if you get a value larger than 4 billion, say as a number of bytes or something like that, uh, that then can wrap around say to zero for the unsigned integer uh, or in the case of an integer underflow, if you're say minusing a length value, uh, like maybe you've got a, uh, a header of um, a certain value length and then you've got the rest of the data and it's a total message. So you're gonna minus off that header length when you wanna know how much data is left and maybe the header length has got corrupted or is you know some crafted value and that means then you can end up say minusing a larger number of a smaller number that then means your number now goes negative or maybe it wraps all the way around to some really big number if it's an unsigned value and that then means if you're going to use that value as a length you're now then going to you know, have some invalid amount of uh, memory that you're accessing and that's why again integer overflows or underflows where essentially the integer kind of wraps around uh, gives us then memory corruption as a result so yeah they were fixed as well for ffmpeg uh, similar to FFmpeg, uh, AOM, uh, which is an implementation of the AV1 video codec library, uh, that was updated for seven CVEs for Ubuntu 2004 users. 
Uh, this is used by a heap of different things in Ubuntu, being a, uh, you know, a um, video handling library. Uh, it's used by things like the GStreamer multimedia framework, as well as uh, LibAV codec, uh, and that is in turn used by a huge number of things like uh, FFmpeg or Blender or Kodi or mPlayer or OBS Studio or VLC or basically anything that handles any kind of media uh, and that is using AV1 will be using this library. And it reminds me a lot of XKCD2347 uh, uh, dependency, if you're familiar with that XKCD cartoon of the you know the little thing holding up uh, the rest of it. Uh, that is yeah, very much a case of an open source library that everything depends on. Uh, so you can imagine if you get, uh, say, an exploit for uh, AOM, you can therefore attack a lot of different applications or potentially a lot of different users. Uh, in this case, uh, yeah, seven CVEs, so various buffer overflows, use after freeze, uh, a stack buffer overflow, and they'll point at your reference and the like. We're all fixed there. My SQL was updated for a single CVE for uh, Ubuntu 16.04 and 18.04 as part of Ubuntu Pro. Ncursors was updated for a single CVE, again, as part of Ubuntu Pro, so for those older releases. In this case, it was a heat buffer overflow via a crafted term info file, and that looks to be found. Uh, someone was fuzzing the info to cap binary uh, to find that, which I guess, yeah, a neat way to find vulnerabilities. But uh, term info files, uh, you know, if they live in Etsy term, term info, they're uh, usually trusted content, unlikely to be an issue in practice that someone is running this against untrusted uh, data there, but, you know, uh, fixed nonetheless. And that takes us to kernel updates for the week. So the kernel team has been super busy as always rolling in all the latest upstream, uh, both security and bug fixes into all the different uh, supported Ubuntu kernels. They do a huge amount of work keeping those kernels up to date with all the latest fixes. And uh, yeah, our team does the work of just tracking the CVEs across that. So thank you to the kernel team for all of their work on maintaining all of these kernels. And there is a huge number of kernels, uh, not just say for all the different uh, Ubuntu releases. So each release has its own kernel but then within each of those kernels uh, there is a heap of different flavors that are targeted at different platforms and they all build on the same code base but each of those needs to be maintained and tested separately by different people on the kernel team. So uh, I'm going to try and do this pretty briefly. Uh, so we had an update for uh, Raspberry Pi users on Ubuntu 22.04 for 13 CVEs rolled into that. Uh, this is a 5.15 based kernel and the most interesting vulnerability fixed here is uh, the AMD inception vulnerability that we talked about back in episode 207. Uh, this is a speculative execution attack similar to the original Spectre attacks uh, from a few, well, 2018 if I remember right now. Um, back when I first talked about these in episode 207, that was around the fact that AMD had released a microcode update to mitigate this. However, the microcode was only uh, applicable to certain server line processes and they said they were going to release BIOS updates for other processes. Now, you may have a BIOS update uh, if you're running an AMD processor that was affected by this that you need to install but what the Linux kernel developers have done is they've developed their own mitigation for this, which we have now rolled into uh, the different supported Ubuntu kernels. And so even if you don't have microcode to mitigate that, you've now got that mitigated in the kernel you know, at the cost of a small performance impact. Uh, so that has now been mitigated there. Um, what else? We had a kernel update for our Ubuntu 16.04 uh, kernel, of, which is now again in expanded security maintenance, and that's uh, provided as a hardware enablement kernel for 14.04 as well still. So we're still supporting 14.04. Uh, this is based on the upstream 4.4 kernel and includes various high priority fixes that I've talked about in previous episodes. And uh, that's sort of 11 CVEs fixed there. And basically this same set of CVEs is fixed for all of the next kernels that I'm going to talk about. So I'll do these pretty quick. 
So we had uh, the 4.15 kernel, which is in uh, up onto 18.04 and then is backported to 16.04 and 14.04 for certain flavors, uh, was fixed as well. Uh, the 20.04 users, you've also got a brand new kernel. Uh, who else? 22.04 users using the OEM kernel, which is based on the upstream 6.1 kernel. You've got uh, a new kernel as well. Now, um, people often wonder what's different about the OEM kernel versus the standard kernels. So the OEM kernel is obviously designed for platforms where Ubuntu comes pre-installed and there might be particular uh, hardware drivers or others that they have that aren't in the upstream kernels and various fixes as well. Uh, OEM kernels also uh, ship at a slightly different uh, cadence than the standard kernels so they are able to ship fixes for uh, hardware issues or other sooner than the standard kernels but uh, all of the things that go into the OEM kernels eventually do make their way into uh, the generic Ubuntu kernels so yeah often you'll get a machine that has the OEM kernel but you can still also run the standard kernels on those machines as well if you've ever wondered Moving on, we've got an update for the 6.2 kernel, which is in Ubuntu 23.04 and enabled as the hardware enablement kernel for 22.04 users. Uh, that was fixed for those same 11 CVEs. Uh, Intel IoTG platform on Ubuntu 22.04 was updated, as well as uh, the 5.15 kernel on uh, 22.04 for our regular users as well. And that is then against all the various different flavors there, like GKE, NVIDIA, IBM, Raspberry Pi, GCP, GKE, KVM, Oracle, AWS, Azure, and the uh, full disk encryption version of Azure as well. So if you are using uh, Azure Confidential Computing, uh, you've also got those fixes as well. Well, and that is it for the week in security updates. Okay, so a couple other things I wanted to cover in this week's episode. Uh, the first of those is that for the next couple of weeks, uh, the Ubuntu security team and others at Canonical and across Ubuntu are going to be really busy. So we have next week got uh, the product roadmap sprint in uh, Riga in Latvia. So the product roadmap sprint aligns with the Ubuntu releases. The idea is that we have one of these at the start of each Ubuntu release uh, cycle and then one during the middle of the release cycle. And in this case, obviously, it's the start of the new 2404 release cycle that is just opened for release, the Noble Numbat, it's called. Um, and so we will be both uh, covering, I guess, as a team, everything that we've done in the last six months. So talking about things like uh, uh, user namespace restrictions and stuff that I've talked about on this podcast and other various efforts that the Ubuntu security team has been involved in, uh, kind of talking about what our progress has been there uh, internally within Canonical and then also presenting plans for what we expect to do over the next six months. And so, yeah, hopefully I can report on some of that after that week is over. Uh, but after the product roadmap sprint is the Ubuntu Summit, also in Riga, so uh, the Ubuntu Summit is a community event involving uh, both canonical and external uh, Ubuntu community members. Uh, there are a heap of different presentations going on here and in particular a couple of different presentations from folks from the Ubuntu security team. So Mark Esler will be presenting Improving FOSS Security. Uh, this is a talk essentially designed for FOSS maintainers who want to be proactive about security and protecting their users. And it'll cover a bunch of different things that you can do as a project uh, to uh, kind of improve your security stance, but also ways that you can, I guess, prepare for potential security issues and work well with um, upstream and downstream uh, security community and the like. 
And then uh, Tobias Heider uh, will be presenting with Hector Martin from the Upstream Asahi Linux project about uh, Asahi Linux and about Ubuntu Asahi. So Tobias is uh, on the security certifications team here at Canonical and so does things like um, FIPS and other work on Ubuntu. But he is also the upstream maintainer of Ubuntu Asahi as a community project. Um, Asahi, well, as a community project, Ubuntu Asahi works to bring the Asahi Linux work to Ubuntu. And uh, actually, I heard a great shout out from Joe Ressington on the most recent Late Night Linux uh, podcast talking about uh, his uh, enjoyment and success in using Ubuntu Asahi on uh, Apple Silicon. And there's actually a really good write-up on OMG Ubuntu as well that I've got links to in the show notes. So yeah, Ubuntu Asahi is uh, going great guns, doing lots of good work, uh, all led by uh, Tobias. So I think that will be an awesome presentation. Uh, so if you are in Riga or if you are already attending the Ubuntu Summit, make sure you check out both of those talks from Ubuntu security members. And we will have different people uh, from the Ubuntu security team at the summit, obviously. So yeah, come and say hello uh, and talk to us about anything Ubuntu security if you want. And uh, following that week will be uh, the engineering sprint, so a bit like the product roadmap sprint, but uh, this is all the engineers getting together, not just uh, you know CEOs down to like managers and the like talking about uh, kind of management level stuff, but the engineering sprint is all the engineers across uh, Canonical and Ubuntu getting together to, I guess, plan and discuss things that will be happening over then the next six months, you know, once they've all been decided at the roadmap sprint the week before. Uh, so yeah, the Ubuntu security team will all be together there hanging out in uh, Riga, in uh, Latvia. And uh, yeah, I think there'll be some uh, interesting times there when that happens. Um, so yeah, the next couple of weeks are going to be really busy. Uh, everyone at some point will basically be in Riga and uh, yeah, we'll get a dose of that. And I'll yeah, report back uh, at the end of all that on the various goings on that have happened there. So watch out for that in coming uh, episodes. And the last thing that I wanted to do in this week's episode was just do a quick shout out to David Lane. So uh, David has uh, unfortunately just recently left the Ubuntu security team. Uh, He was with us for nearly 12 months. Uh, He led uh, the Snapstore reviewers work, basically turned that into a much more streamlined process for everyone that interacts uh, over the Snapcraft forum to get their snaps in the Snapstore and get them reviewed by the security team and others and help them on their way to making sure their snaps are both secure but can do everything that they need to do. Um, Dave was a great manager and an excellent engineer and a really good friend. Uh, you know, I'm really going to miss working with you, Dave. And uh, yeah, I just want to wish you all the best for everything that you do in the future. Uh, try not to use your inside knowledge of Ubuntu for bad. And I will see you at B-Sides Canberra in 2024. All right. And that is it for this week's episode. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening again for another week. As usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can always email us, security at ubuntu.com, or we hang out in the Ubuntu security channel on libero.chat. Uh, there is a security section on discourse.ubuntu.com if you want to create a topic over there. And finally, we are on Mastodon at, we are on Mastodon at Ubuntu Security at fosterdon.org there as well. Okay, so I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.